0: PHONE <rings>
1: Willkommen. Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, it's time for the Amish Inquisition yet again, episode 142 on Sunday the 26th of July, I'm, I'm Amish Phil, I'm
2: Amish Ben,
1: and I'm Amish Matt, and tonight's special guest is Rudolf Berger from the Thoth Hermes podcast, uh, Rudolf has, oh, hello, hello. Uh, has been <laughs> studying um, esotericism and occultism for over 30 years. Um, he's an active member of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, and also a practitioner of ceremonial magic. Uh, beyond this pursuit, Rudolf has worked across Europe in a myriad of roles, from performer to artistic director and producer, for some of the most prodigious institutions from the world of classical music and opera. Uh, so please visit thothhermes.com to find out more. Welcome, Rudolf.
3: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you, how are you doing? Okay. I'm doing okay thank you it's a bit hot here but I mean it's summer so they shouldn't complain about that and just outside Vienna as well just outside Vienna just a little bit to the north of Vienna and it's a bit swampy here in the surroundings. so that's why it always gets a bit heavy and humid when it is hot
1: yeah Uh, I I wish we had the same problem but we don't this far north in England it's a bit like
2: Southport I guess (laughs) Southport (laughs) yeah (laughs) rhythm
1: So, the Thoth Hermings podcast, why don't you um, start by telling us a bit more about that and what your your aim is with the podcast?
3: Uh, well, uh, actually, I started the podcast um, three almost three and a half years ago now, um, up to 75 episodes or so now. I had to take a break at some point for some professional reasons, but now I'm doing it as a weekly show. And I present interviews with people from very different angles of the world of the western esoteric tradition i concentrate on what is so-called western tradition and um, i also tried in i actually had the plan already a little bit earlier than those three years i took two years to build up a little bit of community across facebook and twitter to get to know people and see who would have been interested so that when you start you don't start with 22 Uh, listeners and 23 next week but you have already a little bunch of people who wait for it out there and um, I try to find people to talk to who are interesting but of course who are also um, I I think the tradition the western tradition of course um, comes mainly from the European side right and even if today it's Thankfully, it's global and it's very much also present in North America. Uh, I try to concentrate on European subjects and and the background there. Still, I have 85% of my audience that comes from the United States, which is, which is nice, which is good. But um, I realized I didn't do that on purpose, but I think the last eight or ten weeks I had, no, with one exception, I had only people, guests from Europe. So this is not the dogma, of course, but it happened. And I think it's nice because it shows a bit... It builds a bridge between the two continents, I think. Yeah, well, it's, it's a worldwide phenomenon, really, is it? Oh, isn't definitely, there? definitely. And um, uh, I think it's a phenomenon that, uh, f- for reasons I'm not sure about yet why, but it, it's, it can come to the center of, well, center of attention might be a big word, but more to the center of attention over the last 10, 15 years. So it's it's interesting to see that. I would definitely say it's becoming more mainstream isn't it uh, yes well mainstream is maybe a bit too much to be yeah. said um, esotericism as such in general uh, is certainly become more mainstream but there I'm very I'm very reluctant to call everything that is called esotericism esotericism because oh, um, right. I, I take more the approach from from an older background from a more historical background as an approach, then it goes into practice. But uh, the new age movement and stuff, people should do what they want, but it's not mine. It's not really my, my, my main interest, so to speak.
1: Yeah. There's uh, a myriad of subjects involved, isn't there? Oh, definitely. Um, just off the top of my head, you think of things like sacred geometry, uh, mm. Gematria, Kabbalah, alchemy, Absolutely. grail myths, um it just goes on and on down a rabbit hole i mean absolutely what what do you feel are like the core the core subjects?
3: Well, what you just said that you can go down the rabbit hole is also the danger in it because, of course, you can get lost completely and you can buy about two, 20 <laughs> books each week and read 15 of them and still no, not get anywhere because if you don't... Uh, you end up with more questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Concentrate on something. but And what I'm personally concentrating on, but that's not only true on the podcast on the podcast i try to be more more open but i personally concentrate on everything that comes from the hermetic schools from from the background of well yes probably probably ancient egypt we don't know but at least uh, then in the greek philosophy with pythagoras and and plato and then it goes on into renaissance especially the, the historical development of that but it's very it's a very active thing today and of course alchemy the tarot Partly Kabbalah, not so much geometry, but Kabbalah on the on the more Renaissance point of view. Um, this is more my speciality. And you mentioned sacred geometry, and that links, of course, of a to Pythagoras, but also very much in my professional side because sacred geometry and sacred sound, so to speak, is is of course very much linked because because both speak about the same relationship uh, uh, between the spheres and 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 material reality and yeah was so it was it
1: was it aristotle who called it the music of the spheres or plato no
3: it, no it, was, it it was plato actually plato, yes. it was plato but um, uh, the whole theory didn't came from pythagoras but um, yeah i i find that very fascinating because of course um, the ear and sound is something that well I seem to have a bit of a talent for and that's why probably also automatically when you work when you work in the field of of ceremonial magic or hermeticism then that's that's the part of yourself that reacts most spontaneously probably
1: there's there's nothing i don't think quite like music for creating spontaneous emotive emotional reactions is there
3: sure sure and and, and, and of course when you when you know how to handle it uh and many composers and, and musicians do then you can also um can also influence or manipulate if you wish uh, with with sound or with like you can with other with words or but but sound can be a very strong manipulator if you if you know how to how to deal with that so it's yeah it's, it's a tricky thing. It can also be dangerous, but it can also be very powerful, of course. Just to go back, because I'm, I'm sort of kind of aware that
1: a lot of our audience probably aren't familiar with subjects like sacred geometry and, and such. Right. How Could you just um, maybe explain a bit more about the link between sacred geometry and music and the musical scale and, and all that?
3: Yeah, sort of sure. I mean, sacred geometry, I think, is maybe more known, better known uh, in the general public, uh, when you, when for example, you you draw a triangle out of a line, right? You draw a line, then you draw a c- draw a circle around it, and at a certain distance, you draw a second circle on that very line, and where the two circles uh, meet, where they exactly touch each other, they, you you have that kind of what they call it, a vesca pistis, uh, You you have that segment of of. Of uh, the two circles, and when you draw from the three points where the two circles meet and the center of the two circles, you can draw a triangle. That's sacred geometry. You have then also proportions between those between those points, right? So this is a, it's a very mathematically calculable, and you can transpose those same kind of proportions into into sound in music because music basically you can, music is, is waves, right? Music is sound waves. It's, and therefore, you can also draw them. And when you draw a sinus wave, for example, which is a very simple sound wave, very simple, just a, just a clear sound um, that, uh, that has a certain clear image. And when you cut it, for example, in half, when you cut the length of that wave in half, then you have the same sound, but exactly an octave higher the same note but one octave higher and already those examples show you that there is a mathematical relation between between all those musical notes and when you know how to play with those relations um well harmonic that what we as human beings take as harmonic sounds in classical music in pop music wherever um is always a very simple mathematical relationship between those wavelengths, which is interesting as such, right? Yeah. Uh, but of course, then you can start playing with that and change those relationships and create other emotions, other other sounds, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I don't know if that goes too far, but there is also that famous phenomenon which interests me personally rather a bit um, about uh, binaural sounds. I don't know if you have heard about them, but... Uh, oh my God! They're, they're the English words might 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 lack me here, but when you have two when you have two frequencies, the, which are very close to each other, um, and you can also do a drawing of that to explain that when you have when you listen to them at the same time, you have a, a, a that the you have a, a third wave that starts doing that exactly. If you have, for example, four hundred hertz, four hundred. Uh, Hertz on one sound uh, and 420 on the other sound that you play at the same time, you have 20 times a second that, that wobbling. Right. And uh, you can put in a headphone on the right ear, one frequency and the other frequency in the left ear on your headphone. And that creates that wobbling, um, it's called schwebung, so I don't know <laughs> at all what it is in English. Um, look it up on Google um, and, and and that creates the binaural effect that you have those this wobbling effect, which starts, which makes your brain brain's frequency change, right, and that can bring you very easily into a certain trance state or also in a very active state. It's a rather interesting thing there. Mm, yeah. So I don't know if, if I was much too theoretical now but, but. <laughs> that's good though. Um you mentioned about the ratios
1: before. Mm. Um and there's, there's there's a few famous ones isn't there like um, phi and pi the golden section and the golden yes, ratio. Yes exactly of course yes. And you have that in music exactly the same the same thing. Mhm. So it's used in music it's used in geometry um it's used in architecture a lot as well. Definitely. Um, so going back, even back to the Great Pyramids or um, the um, uh,
3: the temple the temples, at Luxor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, Absolutely. Gothic architecture as well.
3: I was going to say, it's, and then it's, of course, taken again up in the Gothic architecture in the in Renaissance. And then where that's where Hermeticism's so Hermeticism starts to be um, active, so to speak, again. When probably the church lost a bit of its power on on thinking, though so other other influences were able to come back, and um, then the Gothic churches. I mean, the problem is today. Often, I don't know about England, but uh, when you walk into a Gothic cathedral in Germany or in France, uh, you often have only parts of it still visible because. Imagine that when you enter an empty, empty church and you have the floor and the ceiling and these arches, they have a certain proportion, as you just said. Uh, And at the moment when you put benches in that church, which were not there originally, of course, at least for your eye, that proportion is distorted, is destroyed. So... uh, It happens rarely, but it happened to me one day that I walked into one of those French Gothic cathedrals and for some reason, I don't know why, they had emptied it uh, of all furniture. And it's amazing how much that changes as an impression when you you enter that church because you suddenly feel somehow that that proportion. And yeah, probably even sound-wise because of course the proportion also gives a wavelength when you speak or when you sing in such a church.
1: Yeah. I mean it seems to me that this esoteric tradition um seems to have a thread like a common thread or a system that runs through it and you can see it from from modern day freemasonry all the way back I mean you you seem to relu- reluctant to say ancient Egypt but it seems to me that it's that it's there.
3: Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not reluctant to say it. It's just such a cliché, and it's sometimes exaggerated. You know, right. I, I think right. Um, I mean, not everything uh, comes from Egypt. I hope we have developed something since then, as well. But but of course, of course, there is, uh, of course, there is a lot of influence from there because it was one of the first Western, even if it's not traditionally the West but it's a Western tradition the Egyptian tradition like the Babylonian tradition which is even more ancient and um, of course that has influenced and through Greece and the Romans it, it all came in but it was for about 1200 years one could say very much oppressed and and pushed into into the the underground and and therefore the direct link isn't there and therefore much of what we say, uh, is speculation when we talk about ancient Egypt, of course. Right. Rudolph,
2: do you think that's, uh, that might be why it's sort of rising again in the, in the last 10, 15 years, you were saying, that there's less, there's less oppressive religion in, in Western society now? I'd say we're far more secular than we were, and it seems to be that, you know, in times where there is less major religion about, this sort of bubbles up to the surface. And and you see some of those um, some of those more famous uh, proponents of, of hermeticism like uh, Isaac Newton, uh, great scientist, not not very friendly with the church, I must say. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. But there was that there's that thread running through there as well. I'm just wondering if there's this this undercurrent that shows itself, uh, you know, in like a sine wave, peaks and troughs, um, around where we have more sort of secular thinking
3: throughout history yes but that started a bit earlier i would say um that started in the second half of the 19th century already because yeah. that's when you when you see the growth of something like the, the golden dawn for example and mm-hmm. and others theosophy was very important to that movement uh, also at the time and i would say the 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 last fifteen years, to me, that's my personal explanation. Uh, it's twofold why the last 15, 20 years it's become more intense. A, the internet has helped a lot. You know, um, I, I just, yeah. I, I, I really, I'm, I mean, again, another cliche. I really don't like Facebook, right? Because, but, but it has helped me personally to be in touch suddenly with lots of people I wouldn't have never met so to speak um if it weren't there and that has given uh, uh, a movement or uh, or or an interest that people have all across the world but in very in in very small uh, very small numbers suddenly the the opportunity to be in touch and to exchange and books have been written and, and et cetera, et cetera, and published, e-books have been published, et cetera. That, that is one part of it. And the other part, I think it is more, it's almost the contrary of what you say, I think. Um, <laughs> Usually is. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I don't know if I'm right. You know, it's just my interpretation. I think that there is is a new search for, call it spirituality, after uh, after World War II, there was a, a necessary, uh, fr- get free of all irrational thinking you know it it was very that's very important and now spirituality has become more important again also because the world is more and more of a mystery to us isn't it (laughs) and um, so people look for new answers and maybe they without the pressure of the church they would have had 150 200 years ago they find other answers to to, to the same questions they are looking for again.
2: Mm, yeah, alternate ways of thinking, I guess.
3: Yeah, yeah. That's why also all kinds of new religious movements, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's a bit going in parallel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, but what I think, I mean, what I always say that Western esoteric tradition and hermeticism in particular is not at all about belief. It's about knowing it's just open your mind in a different way to know something else. Mm. But uh, the true hermeticist, I don't think we'll ever um, be happy in just believing something. Mm. And maybe that's why I reacted to to the question about Egypt like that, because, yeah, it is possible that we have many things from there, but we, we don't know yet. You know? So, so maybe that was the that was the reason for my reaction.
1: (laughs) I think you're right. I think once I'm very new, you know, I've only been maybe researching for a few years, three or four years, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I feel very new um, to the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. you mentioned before how many different subjects are involved in it. And it's pretty, I think it's quite um, overwhelming for someone. Um, So for someone who's fairly new to the a quest or is thinking of starting it where do you think it's a good place to start for someone who's got no prior knowledge at all of any of this stuff
3: i think there is a common thread to all those schools and that's the famous greek saying not with know thyself know yourself right and every single magical um masonic um uh, hermetic whatever um, school will put that first so the, the very first thing is really to to find out who you are yourself and and uh, some the, the the famous israel rigardi i don't know if you heard the name he, he was he published the all the rituals of the golden dawn in in the in the 20th century and was taken as a traitor first but in the end he was the savior of the golden dawn through that um and he said you should even do a psychoanalysis to start with i think that goes a little bit far (laughs) but um but um i think it's really important that you find out about yourself what is your real interest and um another very important and common thread is meditation and now that's that already makes it a bit more complicated because of course meditation can be so many things right uh, it has so many ways of doing it that that's what i mean but start start out maybe by depending on what your personal interest is i wouldn't start with with kabbalah or 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 the complicated things at first, because that's fascinating. That's that it's attracting. But something from your real day-to-day life. I don't know if you're interested in in playing cards. Well, buy a tarot <laughs> yeah. deck and start with that. Or if you're interested in mathematics, start with sacred geometry because it will it will come to you more easily. If you're interested in in nature, in in if you're a very outdoor person, you know, maybe you should have a look into shamanic rituals or shamanic um, readings. Carlos Castaneda, the famous Carlos Castaneda, I don't know if you, if you, if you're aware of him, but he's been blamed for, well, maybe that's not true. What he's saying. That's all made up. Yes, maybe we don't know, but it has helped so many people to find their path. So it can't be that bad. You know, there are, I think look into yourself what's your what's your real interest start there with something that relates to that personal interest and it will open itself to you from that point mm. but I think the know thyself and the meditation are two starting points starting points that are crucial and essential top tip top tip there For eavesdroppers really? yeah yeah look into <laughs> yourself how did,
1: first
4: how did you uh, get into it then rudolf
3: Well, um, how long should the answer be? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Five minutes. (laughs) Okay, Okay, thank you. Um, (laughs) uh, No, uh, when I think about it, um, just bluntly, the first thing I did really was was shamanic, right? I was interested in that and uh, uh, shamanic drumming, shamanic traveling, as it is called, and it was very easy for me also. So that's maybe Mm -hmm. also why I got attracted by it. And then I went through a period where anthroposophy was very important to me, Rudolf Steiner and his writings. But um, I found out more and more that his early writings, which are much more occult and much more, um, much more, yeah, into esoteric realms, uh, uh, attracted me much more. And then... Freemasonry came rather soon and then of course ceremonial magic relates a lot to Freemasonry because it has a bit the same approach. So 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 that that's how I stepped in. But the longer answer is that today when I look back, um especially when I do this podcast and I often ask my my guests, how did it all start? How did you become the person in that esoteric world that you are today? 95% of them tell me, well, I was five years old when my mother did that and that. And I suddenly realized I had this interest and I always ask myself, why, 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 why didn't I find out at that age myself? And nowadays, when I look back, I suddenly find out that for me, music and working with sounds and all that, I did that from a very young age and it, it put me into states that at the time or even much later, I wouldn't have related to to the esoteric at all. But today, I think I know in the meantime that I that, that was the beginning for me. It was not at all the shamanism I started at age 20, but it was when I played music, when I, I conducted a little orchestra at age 12, you know, and stuff like that. I, I never learned that. It was a it was something special to me it gave me also a kind of special mm-hmm. feeling when i did it and was able to do it and and i think that was my way of walking into it uh, and the other things came later and automatically because i had to i had to find my path
4: nice how long was that uh, 2 minutes okay good <laughs> <laughs> a <bit> on time <laughs> perfect you um, and, uh, Go on. i was just going to ask sorry as well because i'm i know virtually nothing um about this kind of subject really other than what Phil's talked about and the kind of guests that we've had on. Um, so I was going to ask, uh, what is ceremonial magic? How would you describe that? What does it mm-hmm. entail?
3: Well, the f- first thing is probably what is magic? And there are about uh, okay. t- 250 <laughs> definitions of it. But um, to cut it short, probably magic he could describe as as changing your own reality through your own will maybe that's a a shortcut and now about 200 people are crying i know you can't say like that but well that's one of the ways to 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 explain it and ceremonial magic or what in in the german world is called ritual magic if you translate it uh, literally it's more an american expression the ceremonial magic i think ritual magic is a more precise explanation because you do you you obtain that state to change uh, your own reality through uh, rituals, through repetitive um, Mm -hmm. movements, sounds, well, all senses should be, should be into that. So also the smell, that's Mm -hmm. why you do also um, also use incense and stuff like that. And um, so it's a very, very formal, very regulated way of doing magic. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I think that yeah, sort of swapping
4: or using the term ritual magic probably makes it more gives it more sense to me. Anyway, essentially. Yes, I,
3: I prefer. I mean, it's sometimes also used in English ritual magic. To be honest, right. but right, okay. uh, ceremonial magic is a more common use. And I'm with you. I I, I prefer the ritual magic yeah. name. It's more. It's not that ceremonial in the end. Well, mm-hmm. At least I don't find it. Uh, it's, it's just. Through repetition, it's it's like you know when you get up in the morning and brush your teeth and then make your coffee, and that's a kind of ritual as well. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. it it changes your day to day reality how you start your day. And the day your coffee machine is out of order, you realize how that disturbs the beginning <laughs> of your day, right? Yeah. And it's the same in ritual magic when you when you create a certain state in your in the room, you're doing that, you create a certain energy, and it's not. It's like with sports when you do something every day and you're good at it, you suddenly your little little toe muscle hurts and you suddenly that changes the way you do it mm-hmm. and, and you feel it. But you only feel it if you do that every day. Otherwise, you don't even yeah. realize. That's how oh, like yeah, yeah. it is. How does yeah. it
1: how does it relate to esotericism, ritual magic? Where does, uh, where does in, that in, come from?
3: In, in a non-esotericist, a scientist would say, "What the hell are you doing there?" <laughs> uh, um, because everything that that you do in ritual magic is, of course, based on 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 so to speak, ancient knowledge, right? For example, when you start, for example, with the pentagram ritual, I know I don't know if you heard about that, but that's a, um, most of the rituals that I do and that many of us do are based on the four elements Um, and uh, that's also a typical hermetic approach and Mm. when you do that pentagram ritual you you have the four elements plus the the fifth element plus the quintessence of course the fifth element right that is created the, the the spirit out of the four elements and and with and you do that in four directions, in the four directions, and each direction, east, west, south, north, is related to one of the elements and and then you have a spirit that is related to each element and you invoke them, right? So that's already sounds much more esoteric, I guess, than just say you do ritual magic. <coughs> and um yeah, so so it's it's all very deeply related to, to esotericism because because well a it, it is esotericism. I couldn't couldn't say it differently.
1: Yeah, there sounds there seems to be bits of alchemy in there from just what you were saying.
3: Yeah, well say? alchemy then well alchemy is a spiritual exercise. Alchemy doesn't mean to really make gold you know uh, making gold that was those guys who found out that, that the rich guys of the time the dukes and 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 the counts and the kings they were also greedy and they needed the gold and the money because they had to pay for wars or whatever and and their castles and therefore they at a certain point they hired alchemists to make gold and never it never worked of course and uh, as soon as the king would find out the guy would flee and and but he had earned his living for a year or so <laughs> and, and, But that's not alchemy that's what alchemy is maybe talked about a lot and uh, in, so in, in commonplace right but alchemy is a spiritual exercise where you transform your human being into gold that that's where the the, the image comes from so that um the, the matter the 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 matter the, the earth the earth um the earth element and the matter that consists that we all consist of are often seen as metals right uh, or described as metal as like iron or 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 plum or whatever and to transform that metal into gold yours to transform yourself your human being that you are into gold that is what spiritual alchemy is all about and in order to achieve that you do exactly the same process um to 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 solve to dissolve the the element first into its into its into its parts and to reconstruct them in a new way so that the same elements will become gold that's what alchemy is all about
2: like a butterfly
3: yeah, in a way. Yeah, in a, yeah, in a way. You, you, yeah. It's that. It, it is a bit the same thing, exactly, exactly. But um, uh, that solve et coagula. That that's the Latin expression for this dissolve and put it together again. This is a very famous part of alchemy, and and is also yes a very famous or very important part to ritual magic and a lot of uh, Hermetic. And esoteric in general exercises, yes.
2: Is there, is there a metaphorical link to that you said, uh, Rudolf, about turning oneself into gold? Mm-hmm. Is that could that be just sort of improving one's value, self improvement in a way?
3: Sure, so, uh, sure, sure. I mean um all those self-improvement movements nowadays they it's nothing new uh it's a good thing that the human being tries to strive for being better hopefully (laughs) Mm. and and um it's just different paths that are being taken and this is a path that you have to accept that certain rituals um might be the way to do that there are certainly there are other ways to do it but that is a way where you with a lot of insight and with open eyes you walk through the world and try to it's not something as against as opposed to not as against, as opposed to mysticism where you retreat where you where you go into yourself and you don't want to be in touch with the outside world right in order to get that communion with the higher self or whatever you call it Um, in in hermeticism especially but in 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 most of the western traditions magical uh, um, approaches you are working with the real world that you live in and you're not retreating from it you're you're trying to learn about it you're trying to find out about it you know the what's it called? The flow, I think it's called in English. What the sports, but the sports people often yeah. talk about. Um, i music- yeah.
1: musicians as well. Musicians Flo- as well, absolutely. Flow, Stage flow people, state,
3: definitely flow state, exactly. And the flow state, is, I think it's something very similar. Um, that then, uh, for example, that kind of trance state, or I would almost call it an out of body experience. You know, um, so you have, and you can achieve that through different means and. Of course, even through drugs, you can achieve it, it but you can't control it, and mm-hmm. that's the problem, right? Uh, that that's of course there's often the, the talk about drugs within the world of of uh, the, of your Let's put it that way. And some drugs might be helpful, like ayahuasca or others. Uh, I've personally never tried them. It's not my it's not my way of trying it, but. They can be helpful, but others you literally lose control, and you have that flow state maybe for a few seconds, but you can't do anything about it because you can't control it.
1: Yeah, DMT is is one that's often mentioned. Dimethyltryptamine. Uh, yes, yes, exactly, uh, exactly. I happen yeah, to know and yeah. also one who's a big sacred geometry fan who's dabbled with DMT as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, you know,
5: yeah,
1: yeah. The worry yeah. is, is yeah.
3: that you'll never come back, isn't it? The, that's the problem you know you might not come back and i think really it's a matter of control maybe i'm a control freak i don't know but, <laughs> uh, um i when i do ritual magic i i only go as far as to be able to control myself and without controlling myself i cannot control what's happening you know you're working your your, your psyche right yeah and it can be dangerous when you when you lose control Mm. It can be interesting at some point, but it, it, it—you have to come back and 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 analyze what happened. Do you think the
1: the ritual magic? Do you think that that could be maybe altering or priming your subconscious mind?
3: Oh, it certainly does. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. It just—I think it it opens it, it opens your mind to other perceptions. Do you know this sounds exactly what we talked about a few
1: weeks ago with the. Um, the affirmations. Who's the guy, the Dilbert cartoon guy? Mm-hmm. Scott Adams. Scott Adams. Yeah. So Scott Adams is, a, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dilbert's, the cartoon.
3: Yeah, sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he he came up with Dilbert Scott Ab- ah. Adams. And mm-hmm. he does see, he, he talks about this thing he does called positive affirmations, where if he wants something to happen, he has this routine where he writes down the thing he wants to happen 30 times at uh, the same time every day. And, and he believes that this is somehow priming his subconscious to be aware of opportunities or uh, situations that wouldn't have been possible if he didn't do it. It just sounds quite sim-
3: uh, similar. It, it certainly has the same, the same roots and certainly has the same background idea. I, I find it a bit banalizing, the whole thing, but that's maybe just because I'm used to the other, situ- to the other system, right? But... Um, there is a big ongoing discussion if if what what you do in hermeticism for example should be aimed at at positive results so if you should you know you certainly all have heard the, the expression black and white magic right so and of course, there is, as always, a gray zone, right? So black magic, uh, when you when when you want to curse people, things like that, that's clear, that's black magic, and that's uh, something that uh, a ceremonial magician, for example, wouldn't even go, wouldn't even touch, right? But um, of course, when you say in the in, in in the middle, when you when you want to do magic to achieve to to earn more money, for example is that still white magic or is Mm. it already for a certain aim? Because as a hermeticist, you know that everything that you achieve somewhere, you pay for somewhere else or somebody else might pay for. Yeah. Right. So if you take that just in our day-to-day life, of course that 1% of the world gets more and more rich. That's because, ninety-nine percent lose more and more money, right? Or at least ninety five percent lose more and more money. And and so in a way that's black magic, right? <laughs> because because um so it's tricky. So it's tricky Aff- affirmations are in that gray zone to me yeah. personally. Right? Yeah, it depends
1: what you're trying to affirm, isn't it? <laughs> really? And yeah, yeah, what the what, the what the consequences yeah. of that would be. Exactly, exactly. So, so in that case is your ritual magic a kind of are you trying to achieve more of a spiritual improvement through it
3: yes a personal improvement i personal would say. improvement yeah but um i don't but again that's my that's my personal point of view on it i think it is by improving yourself you can also improve the the, the state of your environment of your personal environment yeah, because, because it's, you're not going to change um, your, your city government because you do affirmations. Right. Um, but, but, but um, maybe by being the person you are and by improving the person you are, you can then achieve things because you talk to people yeah. in a different way. And suddenly they might agree to something they wouldn't have accepted before. And it's, it's, Bit by bit, I think it's it's working that way. It's not it's not being the big thing. It's 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 small small steps we take.
1: It's very much a Jordan Peterson point of view, of that isn't it? Clean your room, tidy your yeah. room. You know,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah
1: sure. Before you sure. try and go out and change the world, sort your own life out first. <laughs> and that's
3: exactly why all those all those um, schools start with the know thyself bit, right? Because mm-hmm before that before you don't know yourself you you will never achieve uh, out, anything outside of yourself mm. um
1: rudolf i was thinking about Thoth the other day as I, as i often do okay you <laughs> and i wanted, do Whoa. and i wanted to i want <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to get your take on this because it occurred to me the personality or the character of Thoth, that there are to me three distinct possibilities Mm -hmm. either it's he was a a flesh and blood man a a historical figure way back in the probably beyond beyond the historical veil second option is he is a a a real entity but not a physical human so maybe a spirit whatever you want to call him a nephilim an alien little green man Mm -hmm. or the third option seems to me that is a mythical figure uh, sort of allegorical figure who's used to explain certain concepts. What's what's your take? What do what do you think it, it all stems from?
3: It's not B, <laughs> um, but I think that, I think that happened quite a bit in these olden times, um, that a real person might have become the model for a mythical legend and person. Uh, later on. Uh, and I would think that that's very much the case with, 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 uh, with sauce. I He became a kind of archetype with time. I think it's really an archetype because when you then see, when you see it in the name of my podcast, the Hermes bit was added to it by the Greeks, that definitely is a sign that they took their god, Greek, uh, Greek god Hermes because it was a bit similar to, to that Egyptian god Thoth, And so they linked to those two capacities and then Mercury, the Roman god, became the same equivalent. So at that time, we are sure it's a mythical figure. And I think it is said that he was one of the first scribes um during the real old egyptian times and maybe he was i'm sure that there are people who were outstanding who were very particular maybe who invented something like a more defined scripture or whatever he did um and who then became a legend with time and and turned into a god (laughs) (laughs) it's fascinating so another thing from egypt then yeah definitely well that I, i'm sure that is from egypt i mean it's fascinating when you see uh, in the in the early 19th century when napoleon went to egypt right and um, in fact his his war game there was really not very successful right but he brought along all kinds of scientists of the time historians archaeologists etc and they created a kind of egyptomania all over europe that's where big parts of our Egyptian thinking and tradition of today, in all those in all those uh, orders and 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 associations uh, or whatever, um, comes from. It's it's um, it was a real Egyptian revival, and of course it is based on reality. Of course, if mm-hmm. suddenly we're able to dis- to to decipher hier- hieroglyphs hieroglyphs and and of course that is all true but the, the mania was still there, right? And that's what I meant in the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there is a lot of Egypt in all those traditions, but maybe not as much as some would like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, are you familiar
3: with Graham Hancock, the author? I'm not very I know who he is, of course, and I, I have seen some of his, of his videos, but I'm not very familiar with him, to be honest.
1: His, his sort of overarching theory is that mm-hmm. there was a there's been a lost civilization somewhere deep in the past. Right. Which which um, survived the end of the last ice age and, and the small band of survivors went around the world essentially disseminating information. Yeah. And um, it kind of intrigues me whether that was a possibility, you know, that Thoth was one of these survivors from
3: Atlantis. <laughs> who- I was going to say, now the Atlantis theory comes of Yeah. Course, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. There we are. Yeah. Well, w- why not? I mean, uh, why not? Uh, um, uh, I think our world today is in a state that we might well see some part of the world uh, drown or whatever uh, at some point because we couldn't handle our technology, and that's exactly what the Atlantian legend is telling us. Yeah. So, uh, and maybe if in eight thousand years uh, we will, we will, we will be able would be able to read what people say, we would read similar things. Uh, that even there, it could be possible that this was not. These were real flesh and blood persons, and then became a legend through that. Then you have, of course, the other theories with the with the aliens. I don't know <laughs> if you're aware of Eric von Daniken. Yeah, who, yeah, uh, he he of course he he's from the other. But, but what I find interesting, and that then goes deep into psychology uh, and psychoanalysis. Um, Jung, of course, is the ma- the master of that theory that that things have happen are happening at the same time in different places of the world at the time when uh, people were not able, at least to our knowledge, to communicate, right? So you have suddenly those pyramids that were built in uh, Latin America at around the same time, like the Egyptian pyramids, and there are other places, I forget Mm. now, where pyramids have been built. Yeah, China China also, exactly. And of course, you can ask yourself, why? (laughs) Has this been some outer influence or... Is it just because the human spirit, the human mind developed at the same time with the same ideas? And that's more the Jung theory. That's the kind of common consciousness that we all are part of. And I'm quite a fan of the theory. Well, I was going to say common
1: consciousness. We're sort of getting into we're getting into Gnostic territory now, aren't we?
3: definitely definitely well you can't you can't cleanly and you wouldn't want to cleanly separate hermeticism from gnosticism yeah right right yeah yeah and but the gnostic not well that, that is very specialist country now but it's more the sethian gnosticism than the valentinian gnosticism so it's not so much a, a christian gnosticism but more a, a general gnosticism where where the creation of humanity or of the world is seen as something that has well it hasn't happened another creation another creationist theory that's not what I'm saying but it's it's um that that both sides the good and the bad so to speak, whatever you, whatever that is um existed from the beginning on right so that the positive and the negative or whatever that's very hermetic because as above, so below, as inside, so outside, that's exactly that. Everything has its counterpart. And um, only at some point, all those things can meet into one single point. And that's exactly the the, the Egyptian theology. That's exactly the Gnostic theory. Mm. And that's also hermetic um, theory, of
1: course. Just thinking for people who are, again, not specialists, not that I am, but... Mm. Um, could you maybe go a bit more in depth into Gnosticism and also the difference between regular Gnosticism and the Valentinian? <laughs> regular. Well, um, not regular. <laughs> you <know>.
3: Valentinian is <laughs> irregular, my
1: goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, the thing is, the Valentinian sect was shut down, wasn't it? They, they were, you know. The, the-
3: yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, yes. Yes, yes.
1: It had to go underground, didn't it? And it's it had only, to go underground. Yes, it yes, survived. Um, it survived by his finding the
3: ancient texts because, because of course, the Cathars. If you think of them, and you might have heard of them, they were part of that, of that. Um, of that set. well the thinking is that uh, the the valentinians see the creation of the world as a bad thing all that is related to to matter there we are again with matter and with metals and with the earth uh, element um all all that is related to matter and is earthly so to speak is sin and is negative and the only aim is i'm talking about valentinian gnosticism right um the only aim is to to free yourself in your material life from your material life and that's why they were so able to walk into that burning castle at Montsegur. if you know that story because they didn't mind being killed by 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 uh, the king or by the by the bishop because they knew they were going into a better world you know so that's that that comes from that belief and mm-hmm. um, the, the the sethian gnosticist is more um, as I said, the guy who wants to know rather to believe, right? And he thinks that um, the world, as I just said, consists always of, of two sides, of, the, of the, the positive and the negative side. So a ag- Gnosticist couldn't accept that God was entirely good, right? Um, because that would not exist. And uh, so the, the Demiurge who created the world in the sense of the of the of the Gnosticism. Out of Gnosticism would have both sides. And when you when you interpret, for example, the first chapters of of uh, of uh, the, the the first book of Moses, when when you when you see that that's a big argument for them. When you see that the world was not created by a god when it translates the world um uh, elohim created elohim is, is plural right mm-hmm. uh, and that's their argument to say well okay you see wasn't one who created that right it, it, it must have been more than one it was the spirits the spirits and uh, elohim right and and so that where it all comes from but of course at in the agnostic sending at the end Everything, like in Nirvana or whatever you want to define it, meets in one single point, right? And uh, but that is beyond our material world.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. um, The the Gnostic view on the points of light, the individual—you know—we're all sort of an individual point of light that's going to meet at the end. I mean, it's quite it's quite beautiful to be honest, isn't it?
3: Yes, yes. Uh, I'm. There are so many currents in Gnosticism now that that call themselves Gnostic. Uh, it has become a bit hard to to, to say you're a Gnostic uh, um, without getting lost completely on what you really are, right? But um, uh, that's why I don't take that in as a definition for myself in the first place. But um, but of course, Hermeticism couldn't. Couldn't be full or complete without Gnosticism, I think.
1: No, and it, it's quite. I mean, I, I um, listened to a lecture series a few months ago about um, Gnosticism and the Dead Sea Scrolls and things like that, mm. and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the sort of the creation myth is particularly interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the, definitely. Y- you mentioned the demiurge. Mm. Is that Ealdoboth?
3: Yes, that would be another name. Yeah, right, yeah, another yeah, name. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. this sort
1: of view that there, there was a there's a, a creator god who created our world and our
3: universe, mm-hmm. but there's something, there's another level above that? Exactly, beyond, exactly, exactly. And that's why I'm saying it's not purely creationist, the whole, the whole Gnostic system, right? Right. It's already a kind of a free will development beyond that, so this this is why they got into so much
1: trouble isn't it because they considered the jewish god the yeah yahweh as to be the elder both and the
3: uh, yeah exactly and not, not and not the ultimate not the perfect uh, being the perfect being exactly exactly and and um, and even more they got into trouble with the, with the christian church and later on why was that well for the same reason but oh, they, right. They had better weapons. So.
1: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, Oh, man. Uh, we should talk about your, um, the, the Academy.
3: The Academy, the yes. The Phil thank you. podcast. Thank, Tell us about definitely that. Definitely. Th- thank you for that. Um, well, we are now starting on August 23. Yes, 23, because I, I pushed it by three weeks. Um, we are starting a series of uh, online lectures with people um, who... I think are really interesting guys to to talk on a certain topic, certain subject. Um they and they have all appeared already on my podcast, so they've become a bit friends. And so it will be the first lecture will be by Carl Abrahamson, who has written that famous book, Oh Culture, and he, he will be the first to, to 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 talk. And after that we have um, Angel Millar who talks about initiation rights, then we have Fratri Ud, who is quite a famous man in the magical world. And after that, it's David Harrison, another, uh, well, he's the only Brit actually in the, in the, in that group of five, he talks about a very special um, part of Masonic history. And then the last guy is in the first series. I hope it'll be more, is David Beth, who is also a rather famous figure, the younger guy in the, in, in that field. And uh, so you, it's it works through Zoom and people can subscribe and attend that live lecture and then there will be a a live discussion for about forty five minutes an hour where people oh. can ask those people those those lecturers uh, um, their questions and hopefully get some interesting answers and yeah that that'll be that'll be fun it uh, uh, ticket sales so to speak online will will go on at the end of the week, so it should be should be good. And if it if it will work, if it if the interest is there, I I'm going to do a second series, I'm sure, because um at least for the moment, first reaction to the announcement was rather good and thank you for mentioning it because maybe some people here might also be interested yeah. in that. Yep. Yeah <laughs> <Good. laughs> uh, see a few hands
1: lifting up there. Great. There's um yeah. I think one of the benefits although there's been fewer of this lockdown has been the emergence of zoom and video mm-hmm. conferencing being got, be, yeah. becoming more mainstream and we're seeing a more a lot more of these sort of virtual conferences happening yeah <laughs> i'll listen to a podcast called um conspiranormal and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, they're having a, an online conference coming up in a few weeks as well and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a
3: similar sort of thing and it's just such a you know, you think, why didn't anyone think of this before? Yeah, it's easy. I think it's it's first, uh, it's more accepted now. It's somehow become suddenly part of your normal life. And also what what may be. Me. I mean, I, I have three kids. They are all in university. And they suddenly had all their classes. I mean, they're in three different countries. So they're not sitting here in Austria and have their university here. They're in three different countries in Europe. And they all suddenly had their online courses and online exams and everything in university. Mm. And it suddenly worked technically. You know, people would never, if you had said that a year ago, I'd say, well, we do now the exam uh, via the internet. like, oh, are you crazy? It's not going to work <laughs> and blah, blah. And suddenly, suddenly, it's all possible. Well,
1: necessity is the mother of invention, isn't it? There you mm. are.
3: There you are, yeah. yeah. Just hope it will not... But it will it will not shut down social contact completely because oh. uh, mm. there is a certain a certain problem happening out there, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're definitely right. We've noticed doing our podcast remotely that it's not the same.
3: Uh, mm. You know, it's it's, it's different. Mm. Are you normally sitting together in the same room when yeah. you do it? Or, yeah, all yeah. yeah. oh, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, it's different, definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, definitely. Well, we're we're knocking up to an hour. Do you want to add anything, Chaps? No. Nope.
2: That was absolutely fantastic. Fascinating. Um, thanks very much, Rudolph.
3: Well, yeah. thanks for having me.
1: It's yeah. great mm-hmm. to be well, able I've, to, I've really enjoyed having uh, you here.
3: ...wants to speak and not to just listen when you do the interview. <laughs> Is it, has it been
1: weird? Has it been weird being on the other end of the questions? Not
3: this time. I had done one about two years ago. Right. And that was weird because it was with a good friend, Greg Kaminsky, who I was also the co-host of. And that was weird because when somebody said, "Now I'm going to interview you," but normally you are his co-host, that that is weird. But no, no, this time it was it it was not weird at all. It was just very nice and fun to be with you.
1: Well, it's been great, oh, great to mm-hmm. speak to you, Rudolph. Best of luck with the on with the conference coming up. Thank you. And uh, obviously eavesdroppers as usual if you scroll down you'll find the links to everything to the facebook page to the Thor Hermes website all the rest of it so make sure you check it out i think it's been fascinating so we'll um do you want to just hang on the line rudolph and we'll just play ourselves out yeah okay eavesdroppers we'll catch you in a minute cheers see you in a bit
6: See you. bye
3: Okay, we're back. <laughs> the dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness.
1: That was our chat with Rudolph from the South Hermes podcast. Yeah, what a nice guy Rudolph is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I I I think we'll Phil
4: says we'll have him back. <laughs> so we'll have him back.
1: He might not have us <laughs> he might not no. have us back. But, but no, yeah, it's I really right. enjoyed I it.
2: We were very well behaved.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I think I asked two coherent questions, I'm not sure though, <laughs> I'll have to listen back.
1: Ben, do you, yeah. not, do you not fancy starting a, a journey into the world of esoterica?
2: Oh, it, kind of, it does kind of interest me, a little bit, but <laughs> a lot of stuff interests me and I just kind of skim around the edges, <laughs> a gl- glance after. stuff.
0: Yeah.
2: I'll try anything once.
1: <laughs> I've, I've plenty of books anyone wants to borrow a book. Matt, can I interest you in some Kabbalah? Or something? No, because
4: you, because you asked Ben first, so...
1: <laughs> oh, well, he's the... Alright, okay. He's Go the on. what?
4: He's the warlock.
1: <laughs> he was the guy I was looking at on the screen at the time. Yes, well, you've had ah, my feelings now.
4: Heartfelt. <laughs> you should have just said, you know, Ben or Matt, have you, have you
1: thought about getting into the quest? Oh, well, because then you both answer at the same time and it'll be an audio yeah. mess.
2: That's too corporate as well. Like a like a, a scripted show, Ben and Matt.
1: So, are we going? Are we going to the conference?
2: When? When is it? Like, what time is it in Austria?
1: Twenty third of August. <laughs> I think. Said. I think it's seven pm Central European 21st. Time. Maybe. They're two hours behind.
4: No, they're ahead in Austria.
2: That's a Sunday as well. We've got a day off because um, our guest is a pre-record, I believe.
1: Oh, that's right. Yes.
4: Mm.
2: Yeah, it is Sunday. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I might, I might, you know, I'm gonna have a look. I think there's about five to choose from. I might see what tickles my fancy.
2: Yeah, the um, the Masonic stuff sounded good. We it...
1: didn't even touch on Freemasonry. Nah, you know, yeah. we we could have. The thing is, when when we have someone like Rudolph or Ryan Seven on, I just want to pick his brains. And uh... just
2: yeah, that's a Saturday night one isn't it, <laughs> one a.m. Saturday night. Four-hour
1: podcast on your own. <laughs> mm, yeah. Anyway, um, shall we move on to some news? News. Have we not? got a news jingle. I've got a public, sa- uh, public safety announcement. Yeah. Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop.
2: <laughs> yeah, it sounded like you. Who do you call that?
1: <sighs> no, it's a joke, really. Um... <laughs> muzzle. Have you been wearing As... your muzzle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a oh, law okay. abiding citizen. Um no, th- the public safety announcement is is anyone planning a uh, trip to Northley Safari Park anytime soon?
2: Oh yeah, we were gonna go. We were actually gonna go.
1: Hold rag. your horses. Is it been closed? This is from Are the-,
2: all the horses
1: gone. <laughs> this is from the metro.
2: Oh that rag.
1: Oh, I did have it and then Oh, uh, gosh. It, it disappeared. This is embarrassing. Typical
2: metro.
4: Should <laughs> be hidden behind a thousand
1: pop-up adverts. <laughs> it
2: will,
1: yeah. Yeah, for some reason it's tried to take me to its Facebook page. Yeah. Okay, monkeys armed with weapons including knives and a chainsaw, <laughs> said to be on the prowl in Nosley Safari Park.
2: Yes, yeah, oh. a chainsaw.
1: Workers at the popular Merseyside attraction claim they spotted the troop carrying tools. With keepers suspicious, the baboons were being armed for a laugh by visitors hoping they would wreak havoc with other people's car.
5: Wow. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape!
2: <laughs> Actually, Phil, I'm not sure if chimpanzees are apes.
1: <laughs> I think your, your, your grievance is with the the journalists. At the what Metro. Journalist.
5: <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs>
1: you maniacs!
4: Are they you blow it
5: up! New... Oh, damn you! Damn. God damn you <laughs> all the hell!
1: Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't Joe Biden. It was George, no. jo- uh, Heston. Yeah, no. Heston Blumenthal.
0: I got hairy oh. legs. <laughs> just, I'm literally a communist. <laughs>
1: Gotta watch out for them, here, like communists. Me too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, don't go to Knowlesley. Wow, I kind of want to go more now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> can you afford to have your car trashed, Ben? I don't have a car anymore. Oh, can you afford for your wife's car to be trashed?
2: Yeah.
4: Have you bought a van yet?
2: No. No. I'm working from home now, so...
4: It's got two days a week soon, haven't you?
2: Motorbike. All right, okay. That'll be good.
1: There was um, a, an interesting item on this morning, this week, cool. uh, with right. the sub-presenters. Holly and Phil are on, on holiday.
2: Oh, it's mm. Andy Peters.
1: No, it's not. Someone else, isn't it? I find Andy Peters a little bit intense. It's, it's Rochelle, days. it's Rochelle Saturday. Rochelle Humes. For, um, Destiny's Child. <laughs> <laughs> the Saturdays. Rochelle yeah. Humes and uh, Partner in Crime. Uh, I thought this was an interesting story.
5: Do you know what, we're going to start today's show with a story about a family who have recently had a baby boy. Which
6: yes. Is well, well I'm expecting a baby boy well. too, and I've been looking for ideas for a name. Yes. It's hard.
5: It is hard. You draw up a list, and even when you start with the baby, you're still not quite sure. Everyone's got an opinion. Everybody does. And yeah. I'm sure everyone will have an opinion on our story coming up right now. Um, because Dan and Mandy Sheldon went to register their four-month-old son at their local council office last week, but were shocked when the registrar advised them against using the name Lucifer. Wow. <sighs> uh, well, I've got two
4: questions, uh, two things to say then. Um, the clip cut off so i thought she said initially um the name was going to be Tard, and i thought that would be a little bit risque for this morning but um uh another the other point has gone completely out of my head go, oh that was it the baby was four months old it took them four uh, months
2: yeah you have got to do it within a certain time. Maybe they are on the yeah. to the last like five minutes and go, chip, 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 Lucifer. I
4: thought, to, I thought it was like a month or something. He had. I had to do it within a month. I
1: and think. I, I think they went within a month, and they've been in a four-month battle. Oh, I see. With right, Derbyshire Council or whatever it is. Anyway, why would why would why do you think the name Lucifer? Because of the devil. I don't know. Let's find out.
6: Okay. Uh, now, now, Dan, I, I have to say. You know, this kind of when I was reading this this morning, it did kind of shock me. It's, it's a very bold name choice. Why, why the name Lucifer?
1: Um, we were struggling to come up with a name, and we thought that's a nice, strong name. And uh, it actually means light bringer and uh, bearing, bearer of light. So we, we just like the name, it's one you remember, and it's not very uh, popular. So we, uh, we chose that for, for a song. Couldn't, to think about, couldn't think about it think about better, <laughs> so I just went about. for Lucifer. Good strong name, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, means bringer of light, black light. Of light. That's uh, the Latin.
2: Was Lucifer
4: the fallen angel? Is that the name? His name, Saint Lucifer,
1: or something in the in the Christian tradition? Yeah, Lucifer is right. a fallen angel. Okay. Uh, in the probably you I'll know stay. again, if Rudolph was here. We could mm-hmm. ask him about Lucifer being the Morning Star and the relationship with Freemasonry.
4: Mm. All right, okay.
1: Uh, Lucifer, why, yeah. why,
4: why don't we just ask our own Rudolph Phil? <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is some esoteric baggage with the name Lucifer, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right, so, okay. um, anyway, do you think
2: do you think Lucifer would be more acceptable than Dumbledore? No. <laughs> So they saying
4: it is like. Yeah, shut up, Ben. Are we? Are we? Um, saying that this are they trying to say that this is like a social services matter? The fact that these people want to call us on Lucifer.
1: Oh right. Well, let's find out. Let's find out what the registrar said.
6: Let's talk about what the registrar said, because um, she said that, I'm just reading here, it's right that she said that uh, your son would never succeed at life, that uh, that uh, <laughs> that he wouldn't accept the meaning of Lucifer, um, as we told our son, would never be accepted into schools, no teacher would want to teach him, and no employer would ever hire him. I mean, that that, that is very harsh, isn't yeah, it, Dad? That, oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> that it felt like... is harsh. <laughs>
1: Is that actually a quote? Or is that what mum and dad have said that they've said to them? I think that's what they've reported. Um, But I think the council's response is getting into what I think you were thinking of in sort of a child protection sort of argument. Uh, So let's hear what the council said.
5: You you, you had a four-month battle, didn't you, to try to eventually make your baby's name, the, the one that you wanted. Sure. And he looks like a real bringer of light. I'll be honest with you, Dan. He looks like a beautiful boy. He's, he's so happy this morning, which is it's so great to see... But we've got to say, Derbyshire Council, and you're, I know you're still waiting for a, a, a response from the council, mm-hmm. but they've said that they felt it was their registrar's duty to ensure the couple were aware the name Lucifer had negative connotations and that their son may encounter issues with the name through his life due to its associations. But I guess you probably want everybody to know that first idea and definition behind the name, like you said, that it is he's, he's a bringer of light.
1: I think that's sort of nudging mm-hmm. to what you were thinking, Matt, isn't it? Yeah, definitely.
4: Well, the other thing is it'd be an interesting, if you let it happen, it'd be an interesting uh, potential experiment into unconscious bias.
2: Paradigm shift.
4: Well, like, you know, N- not... you have that c- connotation with Lucifer and the devil and things being bad. So, you know, if the child was like relatively normal, a normal child and not naughty and not good, mm. Um would people's reactions be different to him because he's called Lucifer?
1: <laughs> the thing is, I think there will be conscious biases well, yeah. against that. And how do you yeah. fish how do you fish the difference between the conscious biases and the unconscious biases? Well you can't, can you? And no. plus he's shortened to Lucy, isn't it?
4: Yeah. That is a girl's problem, name. Yeah. I, I got the real it, problem. <laughs> it's a boy, mm. so
1: I would go Luke. Lukey.
2: Oh, yeah. That's cypher. Cypher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He's into yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's eighteen, he's into free running. Mm. He has he has his own YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, it'd be a hit.
2: Career in software development by the time he's thirty five. Then you really should be in marketing.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you can market Lucifer as a as a good name for a child, then uh, I cypher. think you you've missed your calling. I always thought Barabbas was a strong name. <laughs> it is because it sounds like barbarian. Looks, looks good, right? Yeah, I, wonder, yeah. um,
4: I wonder if anyone's like, there's any children called Judas or like, you know, other kind of biblical. Oh, well. What, what are the biblical baddies? Abraham?
2: Pilots. Conscious. Abraham's a good, Pontius, Abraham's a good Herod. <laughs> Herod would be
1: a good one. Herod. Yeah, Herod. Was not Abraham not kill his sons or something? No, he he, he, he was he was was commanded to kill Isaac.
2: Yeah. God would be a worse one. Didn't and he him? yeah, yeah and he, he? he was
1: there because of his faith in God and God said, Whoa, 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 I was only kidding. That <laughs> no, was just a I test. Just a Why test, Abe? An arm off. <laughs> <laughs> what a Mad lad. <laughs> mad lad. <laughs> Abraham. Um uh, uh, Goliath. That would be a, a biblical. Yeah, but I don't guy. think people. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I tell you what. Let's bring it up to. Um, more. Go.
2: I've got a, I've got a little stat for you. Sorry. Um, in 2008, the rare name Judas ranked the 5,379th most popular boys' name in the United States.
4: Oh, United. Well, that, the
1: United States doesn't count, did does it? They're all nuts over there. Okay, bring it close to home. I popular. Up, sorry. sorry, I grew up I, a t- a t- I grew up uh, knowing someone called Kane. Oh, yeah, there's lots of Canes, yeah. isn't there? The original bad talking, guy. Are you talking about the um, C-A-I-N. wrestler? No, C A I N, <laughs> as Amish Ben corrected you. What but, do you mean? I yeah. spell a name. Say, <laughs> Kane the wrestler is K A N E. What's that problem?
2: Kane killed Abel, right?
1: Yeah. In the Bible, early on. Early doors. First murder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Abel. I thought you said Babel then. And then was banished. Banished from the garden and he went and mingled with the people from day six and whoa, started his own you know, started day making seven, things. Day seven cult. Day six. Anyway, let's bring it let's bring it up to modern history.
3: Yeah, it's just in the Christian meaning of the the Christian meaning is, is obviously Lucifer, the, the fallen
1: angel, um, but before the Christian meaning, in Latin, it, it actually means the bringer of light, you know. So it, it's which bit of history you choose to, to take the, the meaning from um, at one point, she even referred to Hitler. Why didn't you call him Hitler? Oh, and um, yeah, that was um, a bit of a
0: strange comment.
6: I'm sorry that day wasn't as you know as special as you would have hoped in the you know in the right way. But he is absolutely beautiful, and what a joy! So lovely to see him today. Thank you very much,
1: Dan. Might as well call him fucking Hitler. <laughs> fucking stones on this registrar. <laughs> <laughs> I started swinging him round. No teacher will want to teach him. No one will employ him, him. Might as well call him fucking Hitler.
0: No, no. Now get out.
4: <laughs> Do you think it was Joe Pesci?
1: <laughs> you think I'm funny? Funny like a clown? <laughs> exactly.
4: <laughs> I Bad to hit the office. Oh, God. Wow. Oh. Can
1: you imagine if you're the, the registrar? Yeah. I I've, with I've got some sympathy with the registrar. I mean to me maybe I'm maybe I'm being a horrible person but it seems like it's pretty irresponsible to call your child lucifer and you know some people will call it bordering on child abuse. It's obtuse <laughs> isn't it? a bit the, 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 the choosing to be obtuse
4: about it basically.
2: There are twenty-six registered lucifers in the United States as of two thousand eighteen. So it's not unheard of.
4: And he's one of them the TV show character?
2: Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. That's probably why. Hmm. So he's the thing cool. is, you've got
1: you've got like the Church of Satan in the United States, though. Oh, right, Ch- yeah.
2: Church of Satan's everywhere, Phil.
1: I don't think I don't <laughs> think there's I won't thought there's much over here. Compared to, compared to the three hundred and thirty million people over there, I, you know, quite a few. it doesn't appear to me that they're Satanists. No, uh, they just—I yeah. don't know why would why would you pick that name? I just don't get it. I think they've done it
4: on purpose to cause a bit of a stir, personally.
1: Well, whether so, it whether that just be within their own family and community, and then it's kind of escalated. To me, that is what I said. Then it's irresponsible and bordering on child abuse. It's your kid's yes. life. Exactly. Yeah. Just call him Kevin.
2: Have it done we with. called him Heosphorus, bringer of dawn, in the ancient Greek, Ooh, which was translated go. to Lucifer. Uh,
4: Heosphorus. Heosphorus. Thoth. Thoth. Thoth's a strong name, isn't it? Thoth.
1: Thoth.
2: <laughs> Sounds like got a lisp. <laughs>
1: Thoth. I don't know. Yeah. It, is, it is hard picking babies' names. Did you find it difficult? I'm not going to ask one of you individually because I usually catch shit for that.
2: <laughs> no.
1: I don't know when to talk now. <laughs> did you or did you not get a say, Matt? Um, actually, I'm
4: the one who's chosen both names because my wife can't come up with the correct ones. <laughs> Same here. I had that experience yeah. as well. It's just a rainer in, just rainer in a little bit. Mm. Like, you Hitler, know,
2: those... uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Goliath. Cain. Yeah. Herod. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. Moses.
4: <throat> I quite like Moses. Moses is quite a nice name, but, you know. Mo. What was the one that was really popular? Noah. That was, quite, well, was popular for yeah, a while, wasn't yeah. it? It's was quite
1: a nice name.
2: Set What's his brother called? Like, Seth was it just Seth?
1: Son, yeah. son was Seth. Son was Seth. No, it was son. Seth. Yeah. Uh, Rudolph told about uh, talked about Sethian Gnosticism.
2: Ah, right. Is that the same guy?
1: Seth. Yeah. All right. Uh, I He's think the the, the, the the Jews consider themselves the, the people of Seth, the descendants of Seth. Do they? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All Jews. Mm, yeah. Yep. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's There's cool. sort of two branches. Um, that book, the Ger- Genesis 6 conspiracy, went in great depth about the uh, that sort of stuff. Right. Anyway, I've got another funny story. Here's then.
6: It's the Star Wars sequel we never saw coming. The tale of a Queensland woman, a bitter breakup, and at the centre of their galactic split, a Wookiee named Chewbacca.
4: Three-year relationship has turned sour. Can's mum Jessica dumping her cheating boyfriend. As payback, he's plastered her phone number around town, advertising a Chewbacca roaring competition, promising a hundred-dollar prize
1: for the best one. <laughs> Well, I'm getting phone calls at really strange hours of the night, about one o'clock f- till four o'clock. Hey, I thought it was quite a funny, actually. I thought it was a um, good joke.
5: <laughs> oh, okay. A good sport, Jessica is. Yeah. Just pull it down, please, and yeah, oh, have a laugh for me. And if you want to make a phone call, go for it. I don't mind. Bring it on.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, she's broken.
1: Absolutely broken. <coughs> 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 Oh, that was a good edit. That yeah, edit well, it just at the idea. end of that that <laughs> laugh. Yeah, we've got her here, lads. We've got her here. So this <laughs> is, is from the, sorry, this is from Channel 9, nine News. I have to give credits in Australia. Okay, is that the equivalent of Granada tonight? It felt a bit like that way.
4: I think it's the Metro big,
2: big Channel Nine.
1: <laughs> is, is it big? Mm. Right, yeah. So okay. basically, this uh, this this uh, adulterous fellow has been kicked out, kicked to the curb. This the scrub, scrub, this adulterous
4: scrub. I don't scrub. want no scrubs. Scrub's she, got no.
2: Scrub is love a guy that me. can't get no love from me. <laughs> Anyone know any of the rest of the lyrics? Hanging Some, on the passenger side with his of best, my friend's, best
4: friend's ride, trying to holler at, me. at me.
1: <laughs> uh, No, I don't want no scrubs. Sixteen in the clip and one in the hole.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, she kicked him to the curb. And uh, his revenge was to post, like, uh, posters.
4: But yep. this, it should be, this should be the other way around. She should be the
1: one uh, having revenge on him if he cheated. She chance, ended the relationship.
4: Yeah, but he cheated.
1: Yeah, and his revenge. <laughs> <laughs> He's already had his revenge. You can't have your cake and eat it, can you? You can't get double revenge. His thought crime, his revenge was... <laughs> So you take posters with her phone number, these, pu- these pull-off things where you can pull a phone number off the poster, yeah, yeah. and you're offered a $100 reward for, for the best Chewbacca impersonation. Ingenious. I have a second clip, a follow-up clip, because there is a dark side.
4: But here's the dark side. Jessica says he's even dumped his car, tyres removed, in the driveway, <laughs> blocking her in. Luckily, the force is strong in the far north.
5: The police got in contact with me, and finally they're going to do something about it. And there's a new hope. Oh, uh, if there's anyone out there that can do the real Chewbacca
1: sound, I might marry you.
4: <laughs> I, might, I might marry you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, <thank> you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, sounds, the sounds sound like a lovely couple, don't they? Yeah. He really? took the tyres from his car. And left it in her driveway. Mm. Wow, classy.
1: Yeah. Um, we've got some podcast news this week. We broke, oh, we, we broke. We the broke the top
4: one hundred. Yeah, we oh, yeah. finally, finally big in our home territory, rather than Finland, Canada,
5: Mexico,
4: and, <laughs> and Mexico. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> Well, We came quite high, did we? Which is the highest we've ever been? Was it <laughs> eight? was 59, it, wasn't it? No, I think it was single, was it not single digits in Finland? Oh, or I know. know it was, I remember it was 66 in Mexico. That's it? Yeah. Mexico 66?
1: Yeah. No, mm-hmm. So thanks. That was England. Thanks for listening. Yeah,
4: whatever you were listening
1: to yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, weird, because our episodes come out on Monday. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So, uh,
2: People
1: catching up, you see, another great
4: content. Is that what it is? Yeah. So Yeah. So until oh, top fifty, I think we should be
1: aiming for top fifty yeah. soon. That'd be a start, wouldn't it? Yeah. And uh, we've got some good guests lined up. Um, next week we've got Gillian Hovel on. Next week the muddy archaeologist. Oh, so she sounds slightly good. Yep. So we're going to. Are we going to ask her about the holes? <clears throat> Well, in Stonehenge? <laughs> yeah. The New Holes. The yeah, new new holes, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great to talk to a, a real-life archaeologist yeah, on the ground, digging, digging shit up. Mm. I wonder if she's found any elongated skulls. I wonder if she has <laughs> a story
4: like Sam Neill in uh, Jurassic <gasps> Park. With the raptor claw. Yeah, but like with... How did, how did that go, man? A, a dagger. I can't remember. Something about <laughs> slashing your guts open. And then will nah. spill on the ground. Maybe you'll slash you here and here. <laughs> or here.
1: And then finally one on the gut. Mm. I, I'm going to dress it for t t-shirt. I know, yeah, that's
4: probably where I it came w- from.
2: Watching it.
1: Schema really? theory, right there.
2: Schema.
4: Jurassic Park schema was activated.
2: Yeah, I, do, do, do. I might put some more stuff on YouTube as well because I've, I've been uh, lapsed, I believe is the term. Uh, yeah, I'm less busy now, so yeah, I can smash it.
4: Yeah, I think get somebody, the videos. Somebody up. deleting Did we? this is post-podcast what? talk. I'll show you when we're finished
1: on the podcast.
4: All right, okay, on the podcast camera.
1: Yeah, the videos. I think the videos could do quite well if we um, share them about. Mm. Yeah, what can we do
2: when we're all back in the same room?
1: I don't know. I think we could. Well, we've got multiple cameras, haven't we?
2: Wish for it. Animated series. (laughs) (laughs) God. Get sketching, (laughs) gents. I
1: believe it was done first. Wasn't that one of the first ever podcasts? Right, Ricky Gervais. Is? Yeah, yeah. Well, I listened to it. The, it podf- the Podfather, it was called. Mm. I listened to it uh, when it came out, and then yeah. they introduced Carl Pilkington to the world. Yes, him and him and Joe Rogan were the two of the forerunners. I tell you, it was early on it. Adam and Joe. Adam mm. and Joe. Yeah. The, Adam Buxton's
2: recent podcast is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I just don't have time for it. Hmm. Uh, their, their original podcasts from XFM were hilarious. You, yeah. can just, you could binge on them. Song Wars. Funny, Do you some remember some Song Wars? wars? Yeah. Dr. Sexy. <laughs> My name is Dr. Sexy. I got just what you need. Da-da-da, I'll take out your spleen. <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember the words, but... Yeah. Anyway, everyone has a fucking podcast now, don't they? So, yeah, exactly, yeah, so yeah. we just
2: Not everyone is popular in Finland though. So yeah. Um
1: and mm-hmm. the and the Great Britain. So you know, we actually achieved something. Nope. Yeah. Not everyone is a hairy leg like, communist either.
4: I got hairy yeah. legs
0: because I'm literally a communist.
1: Wow. Literally. 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 All right communist. then. Shall we yeah. go?
2: Yeah. Yeah?
4: They are.
1: Yeah. So
4: amazing and their love. And- Jesus
1: Christ. Oh, God. Big Philly. <gasps> Big Philly styles.
5: I can't right. have children with
1: a horse. It's because
0: I'm literally a communist.
1: You can put the communist one at the end of pretty much anything and it still makes sense. You know. <laughs> I drink... And I know things. Because
0: I'm literally a communist.
1: I think it works with everything. Yeah. yeah? I don't know. The best way to forge a lasting alliance isn't by peeling a man's skin
2: off.
0: Because I'm literally a communist. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All right, we'll let you go. We'll see you next week for the Muddy Archaeologist, isn't it? Muddy yeah. Archaeologist, yeah. we need something for uh,
2: episode 150 coming up.
1: Yeah, we'll have to do something. I don't know. Party. What are we going to do? Party. Go to Spain. Spain.
2: Spain. Yeah, do it. Do
1: <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Can we uh, can we pound some dicks in Spain?
2: Mm. Only if you're a communist. Here's more from Dick Pound.
0: Yeah. Mr. Peter Because <laughs> I'm literally a communist. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. Uh, Thanks.
5: We're we'll
1: kind of through <laughs> Alright, we'll see you next week then. Bye. Bye.
5: That's impossible.
1: Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop.